Hello, everybody. Welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 496, recording today, Wednesday, this 21st of June. I think it's summer equinox. I'm not quite sure. Maybe that was yesterday. Also, uh, reportedly or reputedly, or we'll see at the end of the day, the hottest day in June since 1976, which might be why my usually florid face is even more florid. And I might be a bit sweaty. I'm just hoping that the equipment can hold up uh, while we talk about the subject of this podcast. Tonic, Sonic Talk is a podcast to do with music technology, things around electronic music and all of those kind of things. It's basically to do with all of the technology surrounding music, software, hardware, controllers, live production, all of those things. So we'll carry on and talk uh, and hopefully everything will hold up. But uh, I want to say thank you very much to our sponsors who uh, you will see a competition a little bit later on. Uh, Isotope are giving away a copy of RX6, their audio restoration bundle. Uh, so do stay tuned if you want to enter that. And if you already entered last week because they gave one away last week, stay tuned because it might just be you. You never know. Anyway, let's get on to some guests. We'll start off with uh, let's start off in uh, in with Mr. Dave Spears, who's there in what looks like a different room in front of what looks like a mixing desk of all things. Dave That's Spears, great. how on earth are you? I'm all right. <laughs> I'm hot. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, there is someone in the chat room. I forget that what their name is, uh, but they said that they would take a drink every time the word hot was mentioned. So I'm oh, guessing okay. that by the end of today, they're going to be fully hydrated, shall we say? Yeah. Depends what they're drinking. So, what is going on here? You're in a new space, or is this uh, is this something uh, something? Well, what is it? Tell me. Yeah, we're we're nearly in a new space. Uh, we've spent ages and ages uh, making a new space, and we yeah we're in the process of moving in. So nothing is seriously plumbed in, apart from the desk, which is pretty enormous. Uh, Forty channel Midas Heritage. Wow. Uh, yeah, which is great. I mean, actually, I've missed working on a console. I was just looking at my picture, actually. I look like kind of one of those trendy people off TV when they interview, you know, like what hit you had in what year. <laughs> and they always position them by a desk like they know what they're doing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, we're in the process. I didn't, I, I wasn't going to kind of do the big reveal today, but, um, yeah, we've still got, we've still got. Well, you don't have to, to say in. anymore. You know, that's <laughs> it. You could, you could stop there. Yeah, we've got lots to get in. Uh but I'll let everybody see it when it's done. Excellent. Well, I look forward to that. Thank you very much for joining us. G4software.com uh, for uh, your software musical needs. Uh, music- Hold on. I'm just trying to figure out why I can't. Um, I need to up my exposure <laughs> to, that, to the light, you might think. Anyway, uh, we also have Mr. Ty Unwin, who uh, we were hoping for last week. He was... Uh, kept away from us last week uh ty of course uh music composer media composer i suppose is the trendy uh, on on term term to use very busy guy and also working uh on various uh, musical projects uh, for the recorded medium as well uh, of course i saw ty last week we went to craft work you may have seen a picture of us in our 3d specs looking particularly handsome how are you ty i'm good thank you my ears have just recovered from that gig it was loud, wasn't it? That's the loudest gig I think I've been to for a long time. Because usually, I mean, I did mention it last week, but usually things are kind of kept, you know, it's all a bit too... I, and I think that's because probably the last few gigs I've been have been outside where you have to worry about neighbours and stuff. But obviously at the Birmingham uh, uh, Symphony Hall, they just turned it up and thought, what the hell? Well, the thing is, I bored you silly because that, that was my local haunt from when I was younger. So I, I know Symphony Hall very well. It's my favourite venue and um so i just bored you silly telling you all the spec and <laughs> no it was it was really interesting beautiful but, beautiful but, venue 
It is, but that's the thing about Symphony Hall is that when they get it right, the sound is literally incredible and the volume can just, uh, you know, it's great. It's a good gig. It was a good gig. And, uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Well, anyway, so uh, presumably have you been back on the treadmill since then, just kind of slogging away at your however many minutes of music you make a day? I have, although I've been doing a lot more Midge's album because we're coming up to the orchestral records for that again. So That's Midge, your um, Ultravox, right. Yeah. So, so, uh, so it's been really busy at the moment, but, um, but yeah, I was just saying, I'm the only one that isn't feeling the heat because of... Yeah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you have to stay in that room for 16, 18 hours a day. So, you know, that's fair enough. Yeah. Uh, Well, I'm really looking forward to hearing that because by all accounts, it's going to be a cracker. Anyway. Yes. Thank you, Ty. It is. And, of course, we also have Mr. Charles Chicky reeves at SublimeUK.com producer. Uh, we found out you were a bass player as well last week and uh, media composer and synthesist and mark mastering guy and all of those things. How are you, Charles? In fact, I saw you. Uh, this is the, well, we probably mentioned this. I met you for the first time physically in person at Hastings, which was only a couple of weeks ago, which is a really one of those bizarre things. But how, how have you been and what are you up to? Things are great. Um, I've been... Uh, doing this weekend's tour thing with Howard Jones. And um, otherwise, I've been here in the studio mixing the new Chicky and Coco record and mastering a couple of different albums, which I'm going to finish up tonight. Then we mix some more songs and then I'm ready to go on tour with Howard to the States. So that's what's going So, yeah, busy, busy, busy. Well, it's been, uh, funnily enough, it's been, you know, I, I don't know if you remember, there was the, was it, is it the Roland campaign, the future reimagined or redefined? Uh, what, and, and they had various guitar and drum products that came out. And, and yesterday, uh, the 20th, was the synth day. And this is what we got. This meeting of the minds and of, of technology and of the legacies is something that I don't think happens very often. So it's the usual kind of, uh, we're all great and everybody involved in the project is great. The technology is great. The legacy is great. And it's Silicon just astonishing. Out doing MIDI retrofits to Minimoaks. We moved into discrete analog synthesizers with the Boomstar going into modulars. We're a small company. We make everything by hand. We're probably the longest running analog. I thought they got to the point quicker. But SE Electronics are a great company. It's true. It's about everybody else got out of it, got into digital, and we've been doing it ever since. So we've kind of gone back in time here with the SEO2. So I'll move it forward. So the news is basically Roland have uh, teamed up with Studio Electronics. Here we are today making a synthesizer. To create uh, an, uh, what they call the Boutique Designer Series, uh, which by all intents and purposes sounds like, okay, there might be more than one, there might be more collaborations. And SEO Electronics are a good start because they, I mean, I've, had, I've reviewed their Boomstars. So the SEO2, uh, sorry, I'm, uh, is basically an analog boutique, whereas the previous boutiques have been FPGA, uh, DSP programmed, uh, ACB, God, there's a lot of acronyms in there, uh, ACB, um, uh, analog circuit behavior. So it's been modeled rather than actually uh, analog. This time it's actually, uh, so if I click on that, will it get any bigger? Oh, no, it won't. It's just, there it is. So I can make that bigger. There we go. It's a three oscillator. Ladder filter 24 dB LFO with a delay line in it, presets, a 16-step sequencer. You know, there are more than a few passing nods to the mini mode kind of thing, which is kind of curious, although they haven't gone for the livery and, and the full 
event. But it's by all accounts. I mean, it's certainly in the monitors here. You know, and, and what I've heard, it does. If it's got that studio electronics oscillator sound, then you're more than halfway there because their oscillators sound fantastic. So. I don't know, what thoughts? I'm going to start with you, Dave, because we haven't heard from you for a long time. I mean, I don't know, have you got any studio electronic stuff? I can't remember if you have or not. No, I had a MIDI mini years, years ago. Uh, actually, that was on a kind of semi-permanent loan, uh, which was very good. Uh, I mean, effectively, it was the guts of the mini, wasn't it, put in the rack. Uh Yeah, this was a bit of a curveball, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, no, uh, yeah, okay. No, let's start. Who... Who knew this was coming? Not me. Not me. <laughs> we, I, I remember because we put a thing up saying, what would you like to see? And nobody said this. And I don't think anybody expect. Everybody was going, oh, I want to see a, a proper analog Jupiter 8 or, you know, insert favorite poly analog here. I did say when we were talking about this a few weeks ago, I, and we were saying, uh, you know, what could Roland do that would be exciting? And I did say if they came up with something that was truly analog, all the way through, I'd be pretty excited. And, and, and are then, you? Yeah, and then I, I saw this, uh, I saw the video that you that you just showed, but then I saw one of these sounds-only videos that they have. I've got that, yeah. And uh, and and I know, I always say, I'm not going to buy another sim. It's only little. I immediately was like, I want to know the price of this, I want to buy it. I, I love the sound of it. Just, just the, these are just stock patches that they did. That yeah, I, I mean, I always find myself a little bit disappointed with, you know, Here's the. Here are some sounds I will play that sound like a mini moog, and they're always yeah. some sort of snappy bass line, some sort of lucky manish or leadish or or wor funky worm type. I mean, it always gets a bit. It's like let's hear some intro because it's got cross mod and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, mm -hmm. sorry, back to you, Dave. Um, from what you've heard, which presumably is as little as the rest of us, is there something in here that makes you think, hmm, actually, that's an interesting... Because it's an interesting move, isn't it? I mean, not only making an analogue, but also making an analogue with the tiny, tiny footprint of the boutique range, which seems a bit bizarre. Yeah, I, I, I'm not wild about the tiny footprint aspect of the boutique, but I understand it from a, <laughs> a uh, space-saving position, but um, I find the, you know, the throw on the faders of the other boutique stuff a little bit not but obviously knobs different uh the fact that you can chain these to create your own polyphonic monster uh yeah and the price point that was the first thing I oh yeah like, we should yeah, say yeah, but how much but how much and it was so funny because i was thinking what did you, you think know, it was going to be i hoped it was going to be around the price that it was actually which is 499 dollars am i correct in that yes you are okay yeah 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 and i think i think you know for what it is that's that's eminently reasonable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was just, it was kind of one of those complete curveballs that you kind of, it's really, this is another hat. This is the kind of developer's hat that I wear is that sometimes you can be working for, you know, years on a project and you know, you're keeping it under wraps and you're making progress. And then all of a sudden somebody else will come out with something along very much the same lines and you're going, don't, you know, and all that. And I, I, I sort of, could have sworn I heard somebody from Behringer's direction going, don't! <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it's one of those, it was one of those. Well, that's others. true, I mean, because it, it is very much in the same mould as the sort of the Model D that they, or, or the D, I, I, I'm not sure entirely, which isn't quite out yet, and also is much more kind of, uh, well, it's D, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's not... It's this idea that they'd had all this, you know, column inches and coverage and whatnot, and then this one just kind of comes along and goes, hey, look, it's here. 
Yeah, and it, well, this one's a hundred bucks more expensive, and I suspect might be a little smaller. The D, while small, is I think bigger than this. So yeah, okay. Deep breath, Mr. Ty Unwin. <laughs> <laughs> Here we go. I mean, you know, what? Now look. The, <laughs> Why do I get deep breath? Oh, here we go. No, no, I was. I, 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 I'm suspecting, and I, I am making an assumption here that you like the idea of this, but the, the kind of because you've got the boutiques anyway, haven't you? So, which are yeah. small and fiddly. I mean, but yes, but probably better to take out on the road than the original. They thing. are. I've got five of the boutiques, and they're part of my. I think I've said before they're part of my traveling rig, so they kind of go where I go. Um, this is a curveball, and this wasn't expected. And initially, I was just kind of surprised everyone else because I think we all think somewhere along the line is going to be an SH101 boutique. We all kind of know that. And so when they say, okay, we're going to do an analog monosynth, I have to say <laughs> this wasn't what I was expecting. But um, I think this is fantastic on a, a whole load of levels. You're right about the boutique, the form factor. I've got sausage fingers, and so for me, the form factor isn't ideal. But... Um, Studio Electronics, incredible company, really make fantastic sense. Oh, yeah, because you've got, got Boom Stars, haven't you? I've got Boom Stars. I've got three of those. And um, I almost bought a Code 8 uh, not that long ago. Uh, literally make fantastic sense. Roland, I think, are a great company that at some stage lost their way. I think they're starting to find their way again, but they're not there yet. They're trying to get back into analog um like real analog as well as the um, ACB, but their JDXA for me is an absolute, uh, uh, and the analog side of that doesn't sound great. But as a company, Roland, you know, they have a history and they have they have the makeup to be a great company again. And so for me, the combination of the sound of Studio Electronics, who let's be honest about this, they are a boutique company. Yeah. You know, kind of, and but the combination of that sound of this amazing boutique company. And the history and background and production values of Roland stuff. I mean, what an incredible, incredible combination. I mean, it just makes sense to me. I have to say, I would have, like everyone else, I would have loved it if this was full size, if it wasn't part of the boutique. But I understand why they're pushing this boutique thing. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's at the end of the day, it sounds great. But what people need to understand is all these references to the, the Mini Moog and whatever. This is basically modelled on on the Studio Electronics on their SE1X, which was basically, after Dave said, they started off doing mod, mods of uh, Mini Moogs and putting them into racks. And then they did this SE1 and then the SE1X that are essentially kind of like Mini Moogs, but not Mini Moogs. I have a rack. picture here. Yeah, like that. And there you go. Uh, okay. And and so if you actually look at this, and especially if you look at the SE1X, which is the one that followed on from that, this uh, this the new the new Roland one is very much based on based on that. So this when people are saying it's like a mini Moog clone, it's not a mini Moog clone at all. It's basically one of Studio Electronics' own instruments that, in turn, was kind of based on a mini Moog. So there's like kind of it's a different kind of setup, I think, to the whole Behringer thing. But at the end of the day, I think it sounds good. It's, you know, the form factor is what it is. You either It's one of those with the boutiques. You either take them or you don't take them. And I've got friends that really can't stand them. And I get that. I understand that. But I think the argument of having that much power in a little thing and at that price point, 
I think it'll be an absolute no-brainer. So yeah, it could be. I mean, th- there was some talk. There was uh, there's a chap who posts quite regularly to uh, the Sonic forums, uh, uh, Sonic comments, and he was saying that knobs is a better idea when it's smaller because if you take a fader, that apparently the human the human um, finger can recognise uh, half a millimeter of uh, um, of differential between you know on, on a slider or any kind of movement. And if you think if you think the Jupiter Eight, what are they? They're they're not they're, they're I, I mean the the J the the JP Eight is is about four centimeters. So that doesn't give you an awful lot of uh, you know uh, 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 of uh, sweet spots because you're going to miss a load of the bike. Whereas a knob, you may be able to. I wonder about the concept of having somebody build a controller that just lets you kind of make this bigger and control it that way, or them doing a kind of boutique plus, which is a bit bigger, you know. But I guess it's a new production line and new production run and stuff. So. You- you're right about the knobs and sliders. I mean, uh, of all the, the boutiques I've got, the only one that's got knobs is the JX03. And uh, that is, and I'm imagining the, the size of the knobs will be exactly the same because they, they look the same kind of size. And that is a lot easier to get specifics, to get control than, than all of the, you know, the JU and the JP with the sliders. So knobs is definitely the way forward if you're going to go down this boutique route. Ah, I've just been told in the chat room, YouTube chat room by David Hopkins, it's called proprioception which is the uh obviously the ability to move you know to sense that thing i don't know i mean dave you know you've got the big boys you've got the original sort of stuff i mean the thing about this miniaturization larky is you know it it, it is sometimes or, or very often about the physical presence of something on a large format that makes it much that makes the instrument work on on more levels than just it makes this sound right yeah hence you yeah. sitting in front of a massive mixing console yeah, like I said, I've missed that. I really have missed it. I hadn't realised quite how much I'd missed it until we started, you know, getting stuff out and plumbing stuff in and jamming around and muting and demuting and fading stuff in and out. It was like, whoa, whoa, this all began begins to feel like I'm actually doing something creative again. But um, yeah, I think uh, I have to say, I think my first thought was, you see, I've always wanted a memory Moog, but I've never wanted a memory Moog. In terms of issues, yes, Ty's giggling. He gets it. And my first thought was when when it was like you could chain these together was, yeah, maybe I'd prefer to have five or six of these as opposed to one memory mode that kind of doesn't work very often. Well, that's 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 the frustrating point. I mean, you know, form factor aside. And the fact that it isn't a complete diehard mini clone. I love the idea of the cross mod as well. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah. I forgot what I was going to say there. It doesn't matter. No, um, just relevant. looking looking at these, uh, at the actual, uh, can I make that bigger? No, it won't go any larger. Uh, cross mod, we've got uh, oscillator 2 to filter. So that's audio rate. Oscillator 3 to oscillator 2. And oscillator 3 to pulse width modulation two which is obviously good news as far as i'm concerned you don't have the continually variable uh waveforms of the of the mode which you know is fair enough that's so that's that that's a strike against it being a, a straight clone which it's not it's just like you say ty it's a sort of inspired by plus and we've got an lfo which looks like there's a switch for a kind of 1k rate so it must be uh you know uh, uh, two modes of operation sort of uh, uh, audio rate and lfo kind of rate maybe and then there's obviously a delay in there as well. So it'll be interesting to see. I mean, I'm guessing it will be the same size. And that is, uh, I guess that is the problem. But we want we want it but to I, sound good. 
because it's we do. I think, but I don't think there's an issue with that because I think I think what what we need to keep coming back to here is the fact that the one thing, well, there's two things that Studio Electronics are amazing at: all of their gears, their you've said it before, their oscillators and their filters. Both of those are incredible. You know, kind of on on the Boom Stars and on the Code Eight and the Omega and all of those kind of things. The oscillators and 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 uh, all of their Eurorack stuff. The oscillators and filters are incredible. So if you've got that in this little box, that's honestly, it's, it's proper boutique, isn't it? Because actually, you've got a really small company partnering with a really big company that can bring the economies of scale to the, you know, to the equation. And it's like, whoa, this is, yeah, it's got a I've, lot, I've, a lot of potential. And I, I think that's it. I think give it the nail on the head. It's potential because at the end of the day, if if that as a relationship keeps up as a relationship just imagine it is one of those just imagine what the combination of um studio electronics and roland could produce yeah that's yeah. exciting that's yeah. really exciting it does say here it, rec- it uses discrete sorry authentic discrete analog circuitry i mean and, and uh, actually mark doty posted something on facebook saying what does discrete actually mean uh, does it mean you're not using chips, you're using individual components for every single, you know, to make your op app, you're not buying, you know, pre-made bits and bobs? I don't know. Do you know what that is, Charles? Uh, well, I know in the audio world, generally what discrete means, but in, in since apparently it does mean something very different. Just like how producer can mean one thing in the hip-hop world, but yet it means something else in the rock world. Um, but as I understand it, though, it is, it is uh, individual components that are, you know, put together for it as opposed to buying a pre-packaged pathway, uh, n- nothing shared uh, per oscillator. Uh, I mean, unless you want it to. Um, but yeah, I, I tell you, I, I've not been excited by anything that Roland has been making for the past few years. But this gets me excited. This gets me very excited. I love the sound of this. Oh, uh, something you were talking about earlier, by the way, about the knobs and the faders. Uh, on the sounds only video that they have, I believe the guy is uh, assuming it's a guy, listen to him, I know it's hands, um, who's doing, who's making all the sounds. It looks like, if I remember correctly, that all all the controlling he's doing of the synth is via a controller. He's not not actually touching the synth. Yeah, if they're just CCs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. So that, that does rather um, suggest that it's possibly. Uh, 128 values unless they're using NRPMs to go to 256. So that that you know that's a, I guess that's the sort of uh, compromise you one would have to make to make it programmable and all of those things. You know, unless you're scanning at higher rates and having higher resolution knobs and everything, which presumably would put the price up and all of those things that you tends to have. Oh, I'm just looking at the rear panel. There seem to be a load of connections on the back. Uh, CV gate trigger out and in CV gate VCF uh, input external input output phones. Yeah, okay, so. It's got a bit of that going on as well, which is also nice to see. So I'm guessing it'll probably be the uh, Volt Per Octave uh, Eurorack format, which would make the most sense. So yes, we wish them all well, and I think uh, you know what I re- again what I what I love when they say the series and the first series of collaborators. It's what that's what's interesting as well. I mean, there aren't that many people that they would or could collaborate with, so there could be others, which is also a very uh, exciting concept it, i guess that's if it goes well and they sell what they think they need to sell so yeah that's and that in many ways you know because the first time we've seen you know they roland do say they collaborate a lot but i'd say not so much on the actual manufacture 
Um, Maleco, the Maleco thing they did was with the System 500 modules uh, was the last time, and that seemed to take a very long time to come to fruition. And I don't know what what the status of that project is. You know, I'm not seeing them everywhere. I don't see people posting videos saying I've got mine and it's great and all of these things, which I'm sure they are. But availability and those issues. So this is presumably being completely built in house you know, stamped out on the Roland production line, which is going to make things much more controllable from their point of view and, and probably or maybe a lesson that was learned at some point along the line. But we shall see. Did so, they say when it's coming out? Uh, did they say when it's coming out? Let me see if I can find it on here. Uh, spec support. Let's scroll down. Uh, blah, 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 blah. No. I didn't see that piece of information. Perhaps the chat room, uh, either of the chat rooms will be able to uh, give us uh, some sort of a concept on that. That's uh, what they mean by discreet, isn't it? What, discreet? Like they don't give you <laughs> the information. Never gonna come out. No, it's yeah. never going to come out. <laughs> it's hiding all the time for like ages and ages. Maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's just Behringer, that's all. Maybe, yeah, that may be true as well. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just in the middle of... Uh, There's still a lot of lonely ladies in the uh, YouTube chat room. If anyone's uh, feeling lonely also, you might want to go and have a chat with them. But they're really clever because you can't ban them. They just keep showing up. So they're obviously, you know, clever bots of some are kind. They, are they named Svetlana? No, I've got Miranda, a Lindsay. Uh, a Miranda and Lindsay at the moment. Only uh, those Only those to take our clothes off. Uh, let me see if I can... Uh, it's hot weather. I don't think it shows the stuff that... Yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> That's it. They, if they knew, they would. They could actually write into the bot that had some kind of temperature sensor that realised in you know the area that they were operating with. Then it could have contextual information that might persuade a young gentleman or lady to take the them latest, up on the latest Kickstarter startup. Yeah, <laughs> the bot that that whatever. Anyway, right. Let's. Uh, well, let's just let. At this point, it's probably a good idea to have a, a little message from our uh, our sponsors because. This is the time that we can uh, find out a little bit more about them and they can have their uh, information. Here we go. Have I switched the... There we are. Isotope, this is, again, this is RX-6, which has been out for a little while. I know this video is a kind of coming soon, but it's been out for a while. RX-6, of course, the kind of the industry standard when it comes to noise uh, fixing, broken audio, declipping, denoising, spectral repair, dialogue, denoise, all kinds of stuff. And they've got... Uh, in this, there are a whole bunch of new modules. Uh, we've got the Spectral Deesser, uh, Microphone Bleed Remover, a Debreather, which is very useful for modern pop production vocals, which is obviously lots of, lots of it hyped. Most powerful Deesser yet, as I say. Uh, and you can get hold of this, isotope.com forward slash RX6. As ever, they've got a full demo that you can download. Uh, but we did have a competition last week, uh, and the winner from last week's competition uh, is a chap called, or well, a person. I don't know if they're a chap or not. At Burnban. That's uh, the Twitter user, at Burnban. That's B-E-R-N-B-A-N. Uh, and they tweeted, uh, I need to fix RX6 to restore and more, which was the uh, requisite hashtags in there. So congratulations, folks, uh, or person. <laughs> It's very hard when you can't speak denominationally at all. So congratulations, user, shall I say. That's probably the easiest thing. Uh, if you get in touch, we will pass your details on to Isotope and they will furnish you with a copy of RX6. And we also have another competition for this week. I'm looking for the hashtag Ultimate Audio Fixer. 
That's one word, Ultimate Audio Fixer and the hashtag RX6 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. You need to be on Twitter for this. So you tweet the hashtag Ultimate Audio Fixer as one word and the hashtag RX6 and you mention at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. and you'll be entered for the competition. Once again, we thank them very much for their sponsorship of the show and uh, we hope uh, that if you're a winner, you're enjoying your RX6 and if you're not a winner and you're enjoying your RX6 or you're thinking about it, it's well worth checking out. Anyway, thank you very much. Uh, it's funny, isn't it? Because there, not only did we have the, um, uh, obviously, the new uh, SEO2, we've also recently just, uh, I got a, a, an, email, an email from uh, Sound, oh, I'm trying to remember what they're called now. They're called uh, Sound Semiconductor, who are remaking uh, the SSI, the, the SSM, to 2044, which is the, a four-pole VCF chip. Uh, now, a lot of these chips were discontinued, and many manufacturers have been kind of hoarding them to either fix their uh, fix their computers or fix their uh, sorry fix their synths or to make sort of ru uh, small run stuff. So the thing about this is, is it's now going to be in full production. I think they're going to be a one pound sixty each, based on a thousand, and they're starting to come back in. And and as with the previous, when they first turned up, I mean, this is sort of precipitated an enormous number of new synthesizers because the technology was available and able to be made uh, um, for these synthesizers and designers. And I want, I know, Dave, you're kind of you know with so many synthesizers in your arsenal. I mean, you've probably got a little pot of uh, Curtis and uh, SSMs sitting around for your fixers to stick back in your poorly machines. I mean, is this a good news thing, do you think? Or should we be looking for new technology, new chips? No, this is a really good thing. I, 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 although I have to say, I glanced at this and went, yay, and then came away thinking, is it backwards compatible? Can I put one of these in a Profit 5 Rev 2? Which, oddly enough, I was up at Kent's uh, preparing to pick one up that he's repaired, and when we checked it out in situ, it wasn't working again. So we need these components because, yes, we have hoarded. Well, whatever you hoard in this thing, it's just not enough. And, you know, you can guarantee that the minute you need that Curtis chip or SSM chip, you go to the box and it's like, oh, where did that go? Oh, did I give that? To, did I lend it to somebody or something? So, yes, we, we need, I need more of these. We need more of these. But it's the backwards compatibility because it said something about... Uh, new pins or ah yes it's easier got easier pins or uh, uh, let me see what it says uh, for some reason my uh, screen screen share has just vanished which is bizarre so I'm afraid I don't know why that is it's just one of those things I think I'm just having it's too hot something's broken but at least we can still uh, yes uh, what it says is that uh, the SSI two twenty one forty four was actually developed by Dave Rossum who originally designed. Uh, the SSM 2044, but with improvements, lower noise, better performance, and pinouts optimized for PCB layout. So I don't know whether that means you'd need some sort of a, a jumper thing or you know a riser. So yes, maybe, maybe not. But I imagine they must be thinking along those lines to a degree as well. And they're going to make them available in smaller amounts, so you can buy them pre-mounted on boards and you know what have you, all of that sort of stuff. It would be crazy not to make them backwards compatible. You know, compatible with old synths. I, I, I couldn't really see the sense in that. But um, so I'm really hoping. Uh, but yeah, any 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 help keeping. So, what were they going for these chips then? If you you were hoarding them and you had to buy one, and that you were buying uh, so old for old for new stock or new for old stock, you know what? Wow. Were if you wanted a twenty forty or a twenty forty four, I mean, 
You're looking at anything upwards of hundred bucks. Whoa! So they've dropped the price to one sixty on a thousand. So that's got to be uh, you know even if it's twenty bucks, it's still a bargain. Okay, Ty. Here's a question for you: Which is better, Curtis or SSM? No. <laughs> no, hold on. You just move your lips, Ty, and I'll give the right answer. Okay. S SSM. SSM. Was that the right answer? Yay. That's what I would have said anyway. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Personally. So, I mean, but again, this could be an interesting development because it does mean that there are going to be uh, sort of entry level people who are thinking about designing synths. And, you know, that's the, one of the things because building your own filter is kind of a complex and costly business. I'd imagine if you can cut out some of that, then perhaps this will do the business. Absolutely. I think new developers are going to make a lot of difference to new developers. Um, I think it'll also make a lot of difference to people in Dave's position. Hopefully, if they are backwards compatible, um, it makes, you know, it gives these things life because it's. Hold it's on, a hold on. KRS80, as Kent Spong says, uh, ah, these ICs yeah. are not backward compatible, so I'm afraid you oh, can't. Well, Kent knows. Okay, in which case, completely ignore what I just said. <laughs> Git, why didn't they make them backwards compatible? I would have said. Yeah, well, um, after all, it's 40 year old technology or whatever it is. 35. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, it's. It, it is. It's difficult. I was about to turn around and go into a whole spiel of keeping all these instruments alive, blah, 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 blah. But if they're not backwards compatible, that's complete, you know, complete rubbish. We're back to square one, which is part of the reason that I got out of the whole vintage thing anyway, really. Um, so that's a completely different ball game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, great for new developers, though. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know what else to say, really. If it's, I think I was, when I was reading this, it was all assuming exactly as we've just been proven wrong that it was backwards compatible because i was seeing it more as a uh looking after you know kind of since rather than um developing new ones but yeah i mean of course it's anything that's going to help get make things cheap for people you know starting out it's fantastic. yeah well that could be good news i know charles uh, charles uh I don't know if you have a preference or whether or not. I mean, but all of this stuff, I mean, I guess you've got people like, you know, your Dreadboxes and your smaller boutique money. Who, uh, this could give them a hand, a, a sort of bunk up to sort of start production, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think I think more than anything, I'm kind of going off of what Ty said too, is I think this will be something that's going to inspire a, a new, a, the next level of um, sort of the DIY people. You know, just the building sense and uh, I yeah, why not? I'm in favor. It's, it's so if it's a was it it's they work out what a buck and a half per chip. If you buy a thousand of them. I yeah, mean, that's quite that's very doable for for even hobbyists. That's very doable. Yeah, no, I think that could work. Well, I, I expect they'll cost a bit more because that's if you buy a thousand. So yeah, I suppose even for a hobbyist it is. I do, I wonder. I mean, because as again, you know, the thing is when you're uh, and as we discovered, it's perhaps not a standard. Though there may be a way to clodge them into the older ones. But I wonder, you know, people making these kind of things. There must be a real because now I would imagine most people who make these kind of dedicated uh, single-purpose chips for sort of analog electronics are going to be keeping them in house to make their own things with you know those that can afford it your Rolands and your Korgs perhaps so you know it would be nice if there was if this allows uh, uh, sound semiconductor to actually then go okay here are some other chips that do some really interesting things that we haven't done before that you can use in your designs. I mean, that whole process has got to be, you know, it's got to be worth doing. If you've got the ability to make them, 
then why not make some ones that are, I mean, I, I imagine it, an insane amount of money goes into the development of these things, but it would make sense and it would be great also because then we might see some some moving forward and some, you know, because people will figure out interesting ways to combine them together. I don't know what you think about that, Dave. I mean, because, you know, one could argue that, yes, the SEO 2 is fab and the Model D will will be the Behringer will be happy you know people will be happy but ultimately it's not really moving forward so much in terms of you know new territory or any of those things right I don't want to talk about this anymore uh, <laughs> <laughs> said a man with a yeah but the, you know if it's not backwards compatible I don't want to talk about it I'm going to cry. I'm sending going like this uh, no I completely understand all of those and yes I, 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 I do agree but for me it was about a very different thing like can i stop having to look for these yeah i suppose constantly so. and pay an inordinate sum of money for them just to keep something that is you know the rev 2 profit yeah unreliable but it's a very special sounding synth and compared to the curtis chip version the rev 3 it's got more punch more bite i absolutely adore the 2040 and 44 fillers in fact i think they even alluded to it on their blah that you know it was arguably the best filter uh, made in a chip, as it were. Uh, so yes, I'm now really depressed. Oh well, I am sorry to break the news <laughs> to you. So I, I, I was talking about uh, the heat being an issue here because it's hot. Did I say it was hot? Take another drink. Use uh, it. What I've actually lost is the screen feed from my video playback device and all the screen cap, the the, the the ability for me to show you know web pages and stuff like that, which is a bit annoying. So I mean, I guess. It's probably the cheapest component that could go in the hot weather, and maybe when it cools down, it'll be all right. Um, but um, I'm wondering if I might be able Look to... That. Oh, what's that? Is that the that's, CX-5M? That's it. Wow. Yay. There's not even any fingerprints on that. I know. It's amazing, isn't it? So I found all these, you know, as we've been moving stuff around, I found all these goodies, which I'm going to parade randomly past you. That's the first oh. one. If you want to carry on, I'll see if I can get the screen to work again. Is there anything else you could show us? Are there any accessories got... in there you can show us? Yeah, yeah, but I haven't got it immediately to hand. Come on, Dave. Oh, sorry, I was slacking. See, <laughs> do you see what that bloody 2044 thing's done? It's just put me off my stroke, as my missus would say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank goodness he's wearing trousers today. <laughs> Ooh, what's that? Oh, what's that? Oh, oh. Sorry, there's a bit of clanging around there. Oh my god, what is that? A cheetah. Wow. I, I thought that was full size rack. I didn't realise it was half you. Uh, MS, the MS800, the wavetable one, which was brilliant because you, Chris did all the presets on this, and when you have, when he had to create them, when you put it into edit mode, you can't hear it. So you can make the changes, and you can't hear any of the changes until you take it out of edit mode. Isn't that brilliant? <laughs> <laughs> oh, but allegedly, didn't um, Aphex Twin or something do some album? And we've just been—we've uh, got something on the website about this, and we've just been inundated with people going, "I'll give you a million pounds for it." And I've just <laughs> said, "If you've got two twenty forty fours, you can have it." No, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to let that drop, am I? <laughs> no. There. Okay, one more. Little, Come on, uh, one, one more, Dave. Not being able to hear it while you edit on it is a little bit to me like recording using Max. Like, it's like <laughs> yeah. almost can't really hear what you're doing. It's just uh, an amazing finding all this stuff. What, okay, next. 
can't see what it is. God, that's vintage. I can't. Little I can't brother. It is. Hmm. it is an art little brother. Wow. Wow. Little brother. Nice. Yeah, but you heard what I did with the wave station, didn't you? Oh, that was, yeah. That was genius. I so oh, I yeah. Through testing them all, you know, and that was the first one because it's absolutely beautiful. It's an EX. It's a beautiful condition. I thought, I haven't used a wave station for yonks. So I just plumbed it in and then all this smoke came out. I managed to film it as it was catching fire. <laughs> rather than <laughs> rather than switch it off. I kind of did. I, I sort of did both, but it was too late. Uh, so I plugged 240 into 110. Huh. Which I've never, I've never is it, done is it So have you just blown the power supply or is the whole thing fried? I think it's just the power supply. In fact, it kind of the smoke came out of all the keys and stuff. It's a good video. Um <laughs> And then I took it to Kent and he said, oh, with a bit of luck, you just blown that and all the liquid went, in, all the oil went inside and that's what kind of was smoking, which is why the smoke appeared to come from everywhere. Anyway, there you go. Well, fortunately for us that we managed to get our sponsor's slot into the, uh, in, into the show before my second screen just died. So I, I can't play any more videos. I could, I'm, I could play, you can hear the sound of it. I think I've got the, uh, the sound for our, obviously this is our wave junction synthesizer. See if this will play. Be interesting. Oh, look, it's working. There we go. Well, I'll put that in then, and then I can do some more. Wave Junction, uh, this is our Max for Live synthesizer. Uh, Four voice, three filter, uh, multi-mode filter. Uh, uh, Five LFOs, five envelopes, and a 12-slot modulation matrix. Uh, The oscillators not only do kind of regular waves, they do wave shaping, uh, sorry, wave table, and they also do uh, sort of... Variants on the basic waves as well. Lots of great sound sources in there, and you get that fancy little scope thing as well. Uh, in fact, if you want to buy it, uh, we're doing a little promotion uh, at the moment uh, till the end of June. So you got a f- another week or so. If you put, if you go to uh, Bitly, what did it say? Bitly Wave Junk, Bitly slash Wave Junction. That'll take you to the shop page, and then you put the code in WJ1706. That'll give you an extra ten percent off, which you know it's only twenty bucks, so it's going to be. 18 bucks instead so i think that's a fair a fair discount so don't forget uh, if you want to go to uh, check it out you go bitly slash wave junction that'll take you to the page and then enter the code wj1706 and you'll get an extra 10 percent off so uh, please do check it out and that means i can actually pay uh, play the next video which is kind of good because <laughs> i didn't think it was going to work that's not it though is it that's it presents Pop stars. Oh, it's not working now. Awesome. Digital recreations of familiar voices. So therefore, it only works with ads. <laughs> Sorry about that. I muted. I muted everybody. <laughs> I'm, infl- I'm flustered. It's hot and nothing's working. Dave, just what- play, play the audio. Yeah, just play, play the audio, audio and then oh, okay. just scroll through yeah. us and we'll do. We'll make the. Okay, right, we'll do that. So if I play the audio, so that's this one. I can't do that because it means yeah. Volume one. Digital recreations of familiar voices. Teenage pop star Justin Bieber. So this is the uh, Galaxy Synth, which allows you to load in digital models of various things, and they've just released this uh, series of this a free download, and it's just sort of voices of various people. I can't play the video because for some reason it's gone down and I can't show you guys either because if I show your faces, then what happens is it stops the video playing. <laughs> so, oh. so I'm really sorry that all of your comedic moments were lost in time. Like, like, like tears in the rain. 
You were grooving with the best of us. So uh, I was going to show you the page and everything, but I don't think I can because it's just not working, which is uh, it's a victim of the heat. But Galaxynth is heart, heart of noise. So it's in it. And this is a free download. It's a bit of fun, but actually there are some really quite uh, familiar characteristics. Some of them work, some of them don't. But it just made me think, okay, so how, you know, are we, are we getting to the point where you can kind of essence of uh, in voices, it seems to be easier to do than perhaps synthesizers. I don't know whether that's true or not, but Galaxy, uh, I think it's a, uh, what is it? It's a VST AU for Mac, uh, Mac and PC. I think it's about 99 bucks or 89 euros or 79 quid if you want to check it out. Did anyone have a feel strongly about this? I mean, I know, Chicky, you, you kind of, uh, you don't use uh, Vocaloid or any of that kind of stuff, but uh, this might be... No. So- no. No, I do, you know, I do the... For the for the chicken Coco stuff, she does this kind of robotic sound to her voice, but we don't we haven't really played with vocally much. I did for I did play with it a bit for another project a while back, and OMD was talking about using it at one point. Um, but yeah, you know I do have the the uh, uh, isotope uh, vocal sound. Right, I love using that for uh, that's, that's a great program. I mean, I, I like using that on. All sorts of things. I use that on my OP1, like the pitch correct on the OP1 when you have like some like warbly sound with lots of delay on it. It's really cool. It makes it sound like it's coming off an old cassette tape. Um, and I, I do love voice stuff like that. I just, you know, vocally, I think the problem with vocally is it's on PC. Ah, you know, uh, yeah. Really hard. And, and it's and, very K pop, isn't it? I suppose as well, which is it, a very specific genre. Yeah, it's it, very K pop, very J pop. Um, the uh, yeah, so it's it's on a PC and it tends to have all the like most of the most of the stuff I've seen about it is like in Japanese and my Japanese is really not good enough to understand what's going on and and uh, whether reading it or when people talk about it you know uh, so yeah it's it, it'd be nice though if there's something like that that's more Western market oriented. Yeah. yeah, I suppose it is. I don't know, uh, uh, Ty, do you ever uh, have a need for kind of vocal, sort of non-vocal articulations like this? Um, no. <laughs> um, <laughs> End of show. Uh, a Vocaloid, I, I, I got into Vocaloid. I, uh, that's okay, I'll rephrase that. I bought Vocaloid many years ago when it was Vocaloid 1 when it first came out because at the time I was still on PC and... Um, I spent weeks trying to do something that actually sounded good with it and um, never quite managed it. And it's fantastic at wasting your time, basically, because <laughs> uh, it's, it's one of those that the promise of it is unbelievable. And you listen to the demos and you're completely won over by them because you just think, wow, I can get the computer to sing. And you don't realize that the person that actually did get do that demo actually spent three and a half years doing it and is now in a home for the mentally insane because it drives you to despair. It's, uh, yeah, not a program I recommend. But anyway, so this new one, whatever it's called. So I Galaxy, at this, uh, Pop Stars Volume 1, the same Yeah, thing. so I'd, I'd looked at this synthesis engine when it first came out. Was it last year or something, the year before? I think last year, I think. And I was blown away with how it just sounded like a glorified GM module. And, I mean, it's what, what, what really did it for me was the fact that the synthesis was based on, what do they, they quote it? Something like, based on the workings of the human ear. Or something like that. Oh, okay. Which I think that was yeah, 
that it's not yeah it's highly not, advanced auditory synthesis modeled after the human ear capable of producing go, almost any clarif- sound clarified everything to me i mean you know kind of in that one sentence it absolutely made sense and um what it what i think they've done is the human ear obviously can only listen to a, a kind of late 80s gm module <laughs> uh, and base the entire synthesis engine on that and and so it wasn't it wasn't something that i was actually impressed with um and then and then you sent this link to the vocal pack and um yeah i was even less impressed with it than i was oh. before it was i mean it's the thing is do you know what you're talking to the wrong person because this kind of idea is great because it's synthesis they keep emphasizing the fact there's no samples going on here this is all synthesis and when you look at it from that point of view it's very clever the fact there's no samples and the synthesis of it because there are some bits that sound you know and i sound quite good and i know that this kind of sound is really current and 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 down with the kids and you know kind of it's 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 very current. It's very trendy. It's very on point. It's it's very today. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, but the reality is, it kind of sounds like what you you know, kind of we were doing in the early in the mid eighties when we got our first sampler, and we were just loading random R E U sounds across the keys and doing lots of flicks with you know mod wheels and changing the filters and all that kind of thing on. So it's very current and it's very trendy, but it's not for me. It's not for you. Well, I'm going to use it on everything. I was going to say, but I mean, no, but I have to say, I mean, because I, as you're right, you know, that most often a lot of tunes now are uh, generally, you know, you've got your verse or your rap rap section or whatever it may be spoke, you know, which is your, your traditional vocalist part. And then generally the hook or in a lot, certainly in a lot of commercial pop now uh, and R&B stuff. The, the main kind of body of the chorus or the refrain or whatever you want to call it is not generally what I would recognise as a chorus. It's generally a sort of cut-up vocal and it's it's an acrobatic that would be almost impossible for a vocalist to sing in that way. So I'm, I'm guessing it would make quite a lot of sense to use something like this if that fits the particular job in hand, I suppose. And it's uh, I just thought it was a funny video anyway. But, uh, I mean, when, you, when you're doing your... Because uh, you're working through the decades, aren't you, Dave? When you're doing your 2000 and uh, your, your, your 10s, your 2010s uh, uh, then you know in another 20 years you could use this yeah now, I thought um, I, seriously just for one minuscule second I'll try um, I thought the different styles were quite interesting and that in the same way with the kind of auto-tune you know if you can use it really subtly to kind of reinforce some vocal harmonies or something behind I thought that might be interesting uh, less seriously, I do get asked quite a lot by people, not uh, that long ago, there was a prog band who said, oh, could you come up with some, you know, use all this tap to come up with some ambient textures that we can then kind of lay over this thing, it's in this key and kind of do what you want. And sometimes that's really good fun and sometimes I feel that people can take the piss a bit. So in those latter situations, it would just be really funny to go back with just a load of this stuff cut and pasted together and go, there you go, what do you think of that? And then they would never work with me again. <laughs> or they would go, Dave, that is just what we were looking for. Yeah, there you go. You are ta- so on track. Your take on it. I mean, that's the thing that happened to me. I, did, I, I was very proud of my story when I was, I was telling Ty that I'd worked with Flood and I'd gone up uh, to, to do some rhythm tracks on a, on, uh, for a golf rap session. 
And uh, I, I took it away and I programmed all the drums and I just delivered a, a stem for them to listen to. They dropped it in the mix and Flood said, that's fine. Don't need to do anything to that. And I was like, wow. I was really emboldened by it. So they gave me some more tracks and I really went to town because I thought, well, they love what I do and they hated everything after that. <laughs> or it was inappropriate, shall we say. They put it in a little more diplomatic style, but uh, I, I thought I'd get a bit bolder with it because the first one I did was quite, quite restrained and um, they didn't go for that. But anyway. And Ty, you also said you shouldn't ever say that bit of the story. <laughs> I, I, I told you, when Nick told me the story, I went, do you know what, just leave it. Just leave it at the, and they thought it was fantastic, and yeah, yeah. it was amazing. And that's it. Stop at that point. Yeah. Forget the next bit. I can't even remember what the track was called now, but I, I should probably find it. Um, let me see. Right, so, um, well, th there is a slight issue with the fact that uh, I can't play any videos. I'll try. What's this video? Does this video work? No, it doesn't, so there's not much point in that. Um, make music with anything. Uh, one of the reasons that this came up was because on CDM Link and also uh, in the comments of this, there's a chap called Andrew Huang who has got 846 subscribers and he does kind of nifty music tips and trips, tricks and he basically made a piece of music with those kind of fidgets and the spinners and just recorded and, you know, just a kind of creative piece. And uh, uh, similarly, um, the uh, other guy who looked mum no computer who did the synth bike, he made something with the spinners but he put them on this sort of optical circuit board and they made drones and it, it was all very exciting which you're not going to hear or see because I can't play them. But it led to this thing, you know, making music with anything, this sort of concept of, you know, we, we talk about limitations and we might often want to use a synth in something but when was the last time that you used something that was not maybe f intended for the purpose that it was that it was designed for in a piece of music that you were working on. Charles. Uh, last time was, uh, I was, I had set up a temporary recording rig on top of uh, this old Victorian wooden table. And it had this drawer that had two uh, knobs on it. I'm sorry to say that because in this country that means something different. But anyway. It's acceptable. It's acceptable. Okay. So I had two knobs on it. I put a, a rubber band around it because I didn't have any place to keep the rubber band. So it was pretty there. And I was just sort of fidgeting around, just kind of plucking the rubber band and thinking, and I thought, wow, this sounds really good. And so I actually ended up using that as the uh, bass part. Did you play it in, in tune? Did you did yeah. you actually record the, the I, I rubber band performance? I was actually pulling on the rubber band to get the pitch right. And then, uh, yeah, and I actually played it. It worked out great. It was a really great sounding low end. I just like, really close mic it with um, uh, Audio Technica 4050, I think it was. And uh, so, you know, just big diaphragm, really close on, sounded fantastic. It's interesting because in the Andrew Huang video, what he does, he's got, it looks like a Sennheiser shotgun mic, and he's, he's got one of those spinners, and he brings it really, really close, and it just creates this sort of, sort of wind, I suppose, and then he isolates the fundamental, turns it into a sample track, and it's got a really nice tone to it. I guess it's just pretty much a pure sine wave of some kind filters it down so yeah that i can see how that would work i know dave what about yourself i mean you're surrounded with all of these things but have you ever kind of unclicked a flight flight case and gone oh that's a great sound i'm going to use that in a track you know or or something of that nature no ah okay Thank no, you. no i have i have i've, I've been privileged um but not in a musical context i'll i won't you well i might maybe years later but i will record things that in that sound great in the real world and then i'll kind of go i'm a bit obsessed with cars at the minute uh in fact chris said something today and i didn't reply to him but we were out in a car today and he went oh it'd be great to record the engine noise of this uh and i already have and i was out in a 
mad super bloody it wasn't mine it was ferrari a few days ago and i recorded loads and loads of stuff from that and thought oh you know actually what i was really itching to do was take the recordings and put them into rx and then uh you know and then maybe uh just come out with certain harmonics there but those things will probably you know they can sit on the <laughs> shelf for years and then an artist will ring me up and go have you got something that'll sit over this little bit here and i'll go no, I'll just use this vocal synth thing. No, I'll, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll send something like that. In fact, I did it. Uh, somebody that I've worked with on and off, uh, his father died, and I knew I didn't know what to say. So I just said, I don't know. I have no idea what you're going through. You know, I have no idea what to say. So I'll just send you this beautiful piece of audio instead. Oh, that's that's a nice thing because I mean, that, you know, as we know, it can be very emotive and and kind of touch people in ways that words can never do. Okay, right. So we're coming to you, Ty. I'm mean, guessing in your world, I mean, really, it's about you know, you haven't really got time to spend three and a half hours banging a ruler on the end of a table and getting the pitch right and then sampling no, it and all of those things. No, this is the thing you see because people that knew me when I was, I think I've had this conversation before. People that knew me when I was younger. I mean, I'm such a workaholic now, and, and you know, I. I do work far too many hours every day of the week. Um, but when I was younger, I was the laziest so-and-so you've ever met in your life. And so I used to have all the time on my hands because I didn't want to do anything else other than just mess around and play. And so I used to do all of these things. I used to, you know, my first sampler was DSS-1. And with the DSS-1, you got four floppies. And on, on each floppy, you had 256K of... Uh, a, a piano, a piano, a <laughs> string sound. You know, we've all been there, and it's, you know, early samplers. And so, if you wanted a library of sounds, I couldn't afford to go and buy the huge DSS one library that probably consisted of another four discs. And so, um, so you, I used to just kind of record everything. I used to bring everything into the studio, i.e., bedroom, and um, and just sample anything and everything and form my own own libraries and you know they were very basic but they were great and i used to sample literally anything i mean currently i think i've said that i've we've got some sculptures in the garden that we we had made and one of them the uh, the sculpture because they make a really lovely ringing sound made a, a kind of beater so i've been i've used those recently before because it has a really kind of metallic thud sound it's it, to be fair it sounds very kind of mid 80s depeche mode kind of you know people are people kind of that thud metallic thud but it's a great sound so i've used that recently but you're absolutely right what i dream of more than anything else is going back to being a lazy git and just spending all my time sat with a sampler because that's an art now that other people do I mean, I have, as I said before, I buy loads of sample libraries, and but I'm paying for these people all around the world to be sitting in their bedrooms sampling these sounds and then selling them for ridiculous prices on, you know, Sampleism or Contact Hub or somewhere like that, and they're they're charging next to nothing, so that we can have their recording of them hitting a kettle, and there's so many times when I, I mean, the best one for me is. The other day I bought a tambourine library and it was a it was just a tambourine library and it was I can't remember what it was like 30 pounds or something for this tambourine library and when I suddenly think I've got tambourines next door so why don't I just record a tambourine but no I've just spent 30 quid on a tambourine library of someone else playing a tambourine 
And <laughs> but when you look at it at that level, there are so many things. It's all right using libraries of things that you don't have or you can't play or, or all this kind of thing. That's fine. But so many times you just think all I really need to do is use my legs, get off my ass, actually play the instruments into a microphone. And what's you know, that? Oh, well, Dave's got. Well, what? What's this? Powerhouse tapes. There you go, Ty. Yours for 800 quid. That is an 8-track <laughs> cartridge with some rhythms on it. <laughs> if only I had an 8-track cartridge. And a, quite a sexy lady on the front. Very oh, okay. 70s, this was. So, Great. Yeah, I think 800 quid is good. Took me an hour. To find oh, I mean, what? To week. find it? Yeah. <laughs> no, I take your point. I mean, one of the other topics that I was, you know, going to try and introduce was, you know, how often do you actually get time to sit down and just make a bunch of sounds and, and do that kind of thing? I'm guessing for you, Ty, it's different. You know, you identify the ingredients that you want for a piece, and that's where your skill lies and the ability to do that quickly. So that's a different sort of a process, right? It is, but I mean, it depends. Yeah, there are two. There are, you know, as as we've said before, there are two very definite, disparate areas to my life, which is, you know, kind of things when I have a deadline and I have to do that. And at that that time, the thought of sitting there spending hours perfecting a patch is, it, it can't happen really. I have to choose a sound world. I've said this before. I spend a couple of days choosing the sound world for a project and I stick within that sound world and I use all those patches and I'll vary them and change them, but it's essentially as is. Whereas then there's the other side, which is the creative side. So then with all of this gear around me, I will quite happily sit there and um, I, I mean, I'm quite happy to either start from, a, I have no problem starting from a preset and then completely doctoring it. I have no problem starting there with a, you know, a square wave and building it up and um, doing that. But again, it's with me, it's all about, it's all about time, having time to do it. And years gone by when I was in my, you know, kind of lazy git mode, I used to spend forever, ever you know, kind of changing. None of none of my synths, if they had memories, none of them had any of the original patches in ever. I used to just write, overwrite everything. Whereas mm. now, you know, I don't have that luxury so much. To be fair. And, and Dave, what about you? I mean, not a lot. Not all of your synths have memories, but I mean, that that's an, that raises an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, so do you? overwrite the original memories because you've come up with something good or would you prefer to keep them in pristine original memory format no i will overwrite i, I won't you know i'm not somebody who kind of erases everything and because actually there are some pretty damn good presets especially when you're talking vintage stuff because you know some of the iconic sounds are the iconic sounds and you kind of go oh yeah i know that but i have no worries about overwriting stuff and i'm always uh, whenever it's possible, my time is spent programming sounds, coming up with sounds. In fact, sometimes I'm sat in front of the TV and I'll go, oh, and Louise will look at me and groan and I'll disappear off into the cave and because something sparked an idea that, oh, actually, yeah, with that. I did loads of vocal uh, mini Moog samples not that long ago. So you've got that kind of bowly textures, actually not dissimilar to the thing. That, uh, no, um uh, and yeah, we'll put that out at some point. I just need to sort of refine them and stuff like that. But it's things like that. I can get obsessed, totally obsessed with uh, nonsense like that. Yeah, and it's, I guess you're right, it's sort of finding the time. I don't know about you, Charles, whether you get time. I mean, because again, you know, you've got your own facility. So when you're not perhaps working for somebody else, then maybe that's the time, or you're working on your own material, you get the opportunity to do that, right? Well, I, I always carry a, a little Adderall recorder with me. And I record stuff constantly. In fact, there's a short story called The Sound Picture, which was written about me, actually. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I collect sounds, absolutely collect them. Um, I probably, I don't know, 
20 terabytes worth of sounds I've collected over the years. Um, and I just I just record all kinds of things because I'll, I'll hear something like I was in in Chinatown the other day. I was uh, buying some more tea there, and then I heard this sound that the compressor on the cooling uh, part where they keep like stored fish or the sort of cooling section. It just made this strange squeaking noise. I love the sound of it, so I recorded that and I've incorporated that already into a song. And um, I mean, I I constantly collect these sounds. And as far as synths go, yeah, I write over everything. Mainly because I don't, I don't want to. I mean, yeah, if it's classic, that's one thing. But I don't want to like use a sound and then suddenly, you know, hear it in someone else's song. Yeah, man. You know, I don't, I don't want it to be. I don't want things to be that identifiable. I mean, I, I even have trouble with people being able to identify what synth I even used um, on things because I like to doctor the sounds up so that you just don't really know what's being used. So, yeah, to answer both of your questions, I collect sounds, I do create my own sample library, um, and I also create my own patches on every synth, every single synth. We had a brilliant moment. Uh, I met the guy who programs for, uh, I refer to him as the stereophonics, but the stereophonics, aren't they? Um, <laughs> and he said, oh, yeah, love your stuff, love your stuff. We used uh, Oddity uh, on... Dakota, and I was kind of like, oh, I, I don't know whether I'm familiar with that. And he kind of looked at me like I was mental, because uh, it was a massive, massive hit. And it starts with it's just this kind of vamping eight, uh, eight, eighth note riff, and it goes all the way through the song. Anyway, I played it, and I was like, whoa, that's amazing. Oh, that's you know, oh, thanks for telling me that. So I played it to my daughter and went, oh, you know, it's always nice when this happens. You know, sometimes people write to us and go, oh, I've used this preset. Slightly edited on this track and whatnot. And about two weeks later, she came back in with one of the most appalling sounds coming from her phone, which was like some, I don't even know what type of genre this music is, but it was exactly the same patch used on arguably the worst record <laughs> ever written in the entire world. And she went, are you responsible for that? Probably. <laughs> she said, all my friends think you're really uncool now. <laughs> what was it? Nothing to do with the track. The Crazy dispute. frog. Yeah. <laughs> it was on a par with that. Yeah, was... <laughs> well, gentlemen, thank you for sharing your time and, uh, and, and your temperatures with me. I'm sorry that we lost a little bit of equipment here, but it wasn't the key element of the equipment, which was either a view or anything else that allows this stuff to get out into the outside world. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for joining us. Thank you for all those people in the chat room where I can't show because uh, that particular part of this setup has bonked today. So you just have to take my word for it that you're appreciated and you are actually there. If you're in the chat room, you can see it. Uh, of course, if you want uh, any more of our Sonic State content, head over to our YouTube channel, subscribe. We're always looking for more subscribers. The more, the merrier. If you want to catch up with Jonathan Huang, it's kind of, he's got 870-something K, so we've got a fair way to go. So any any help will gratefully received. Um, and that's it. Thank you very much for watching. I also want to say thanks to Isotope. I, I, I won't be able to show you the competition thing again, but I can tell you what it is. If you want to enter the competition to win uh, Isotope's RX, which is their excellent uh, sound uh, restoration and sound kind of fixing bundle, uh, we're looking for the hashtag ultimate audio fixer as one word and the hashtag RX6. 
the number six, to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. If you enter those into Twitter, you'll be entered into the competition and uh, you may well be a winner next week. Who knows? Anyway, that's it for this time. Thank you very much for joining us all. Dave, thanks for joining us uh, here where, where you are. It's been a pleasure to have you aboard and uh, hopefully see you again very soon. Yes, thank you. Can I just um, pimp something, please? Of course. In exchange for my enlightened views. Um, uh, we're doing... Uh, oh, we've done Bright Sparks as a Vimeo rental, so if anybody wants to watch it and doesn't want to buy it, then it's on Vimeo. Uh, I think it's Vimeo. I'm just looking at it now. Vimeo on demand forward slash Bright Sparks. So there you go. Ah, oh, excellent. That's cool. Fine. I, and I do recommend that that is done because it's a great movie. So It is think. indeed a great movie. Uh, well, thank you, Dave. Um, you you can and you did, so that's absolutely fine. Also, want to say thank you very much to Charles Chicky Reeves, uh, Sublime-UK.com, off out into the world to do his uh, his front of house production and all of those other things that you do. Thank you for joining us, Charles. Gladly, sir. Glad to be on. And also, Mr. Ty Unwin. I hope uh, you're. Cool 21 degrees. Uh, uh, in fact, that would be the worst thing that would happen to you at the moment is your air conditioning would go down. And Don't say things like No, no, that. I mean, uh, or the temperature would change. Uh, it's listening. <laughs> okay, I won't say that, but thank you and for, your, uh, uh, for, for joining us and thank you uh, for your views as ever. Um, we'll see you again very soon. That's it for this week. I want to say thank you very much to everybody for watching and uh, we will see you next time. Uh, don't forget, uh, if you haven't seen already, we've got several live performances from Cymru Beats, which we streamed live on Saturday night and they've gone up. Uh, the only one that hasn't is because uh, it was Martin Dubka, who's also brilliant, but he's under contractual obligations and they get the record companies get a bit funny about you posting live music, even though what he was doing is fully improvised. So we're trying to work our way around that and we may well post that again soon. Uh, and we also want to say thanks to Simon from uh, Cymru Beats for providing us with uh, great hospitality and putting on a good show, some really good artists there. Uh, and we've got other, other stuff coming up soon. So that's it for this week. I will now uh, press the end button and you guys uh, can go off and have an ice cream or something similar. That's it. Thank you very much for watching. See you next time. Uh, which, of course, the screen won't work because, uh, <laughs> because that doesn't play anymore. Anyway, bye. <laughs>